Okay, so let's begin. Yes. Welcome to the Workshop Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and joining me today is uh, one of my most interesting guests that I've had on so far. He is well known for his barbecuing, and he also sometimes does some woodworking. So uh, thank you for coming and and coming on the show, Mr. Mark Spagnolo. Can you? Hey, thanks for having me, man. And uh, no one has ever led with the barbecue as as uh, like my main thing. So I, I kind of appreciate that. That's that's very nice of you. <laughs> that's a nice change of pace. Well, I kind of thought that actually that might be the case because, um, like I said, I'm I'm a, I'm a fanboy. So uh, so I've <laughs> every time you post something on Instagram, like I was on this podcast, I go check it out or whatever. Yeah, awesome. Um, I mean, I don't know exactly where you live, so I'm not that much of a fanboy. But well, I move I know around somewhere a lot, so Mr. I'm hard to I'm hard to keep track of. <laughs> so, so is that is that a is that a deliberate thing? Is when people start showing up to your house, then it's time to move? Is that? Yeah, yeah. When uh, we get the 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 random drop bys, we start to go. Eh, maybe it's time to move. Yeah, we um we tend to be a little indecisive with with certain things in in terms of geography. Apparently, we don't necessarily move because we have to. We keep moving because we want something better or more appropriate. And the thing is. Our lives keep changing. What we want out of life keeps changing. And the addition of kids makes a big change. So the things we did for us no longer apply. Now it's a much bigger capital U, us, that includes two kids. And priorities shift, you know. So we, we had reasons to move. We moved again. But I think this is it. I really don't want to disrupt the kids any more than we already have. I think now, you know, I don't love living in Missouri, but it's it's where we are. And I think it's a reasonable place to raise kids where we're at now. So I think we'll be staying put for a while. Don't say that because now you're going to want to move in a couple of years. But I guess you have like already the big looking fire at hall. And <laughs> I just downloaded Zillow, so <laughs> you never know. Yeah, my uh, my my wife and I are actually very similar that way. We've uh, we've been married for 17 years now, and we've had mm. eight different houses. Oh wow, somewhere around there. Oh, that's more than um, us. Yeah, and and we're we're currently looking at moving. So, oh okay. Uh, part part of that though is is. Like when I said on on Instagram there, I I also have three degrees and stuff. So I've been mm-hmm. I've been all over educationally too, and lived in a few different places while I was going to school. So oh, that okay. that adds to it. So it's not just oh, sure, moving, yeah. but sure. But yeah, you're right. When sense. kids enter the enter the picture, it makes your whole life decision making yeah. <laughs> process change. We were in Arizona and things were fine, you know, for the most part. Mm-hmm. I didn't love the heat, but we stayed inside most of the time, so it wasn't a problem. And then. Uh, then the kids came along and you're like, well, now we need free resources to go and get these kids exercise. And then you go, well, you can't go out in the summer because the playgrounds burn skin <laughs> because the metal is that hot. So like we would find ourselves going to malls just to go to someplace air conditioned. It was like, we got to do something where there's like a, a four season climate where the kids can enjoy all the different things that are offered by a four season climate. So, so that was the, the thing that moved us into Denver. Um, but yeah, kids, kids will change everything. And then your wife is from the area that you moved to now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, she's from the St. Louis area. Uh, so you moved down here. there. Yeah, so we're just outside of St. Louis and uh, in, in Lake St. Louis, actually. And um, her family's just a little bit more west. Um, but now my brother-in-law works for us. We get to see uh, my mother-in-law on that side of the family. We get to see them, you know, at least a couple times a month. Um, and it's that was one of the big reasons was family, just to be more in a hub where more of our family happens to live. Uh, and then also, of course, for the business, we wanted to make some big changes there with the acquisition of a piece of property just for the business. So I think those two things and just not wanting to disrupt the kids anymore means that like this is going to be it for a while. Um, just it feels unfair if you don't have to move to keep pulling, like uprooting your children from everything they know, you know, just to satisfy a whim of something we want to do, you know, so can't do that forever. I had to redact a funny story here. 
for fear of getting in trouble with the in-laws. So if you are interested in that type of stuff and extra content, you can head over to the Patreon group and sign up at the $5 level or above, and you can get the full show, pre-show, show, after show as a single edit uh, and podcast as well. So thanks for listening and back to the show. The topic of this particular podcast is workshop therapy. It's it's mental health. Um, I have a I have an interest in mental health. Obviously, I'm working on a master's in clinical psychology right now. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a current chiropractor, although I'm not working because of an injury. The reason I reached out to you and asked you to be on the podcast here is because you just started the the Strava group Fit Woodworkers, mm-hmm. and so obviously, you know, self care seems to be important to you at least as long as i've followed you you always seem to be exercising you always seem to be encouraging some people to exercise and do health related things mm-hmm. did you find that self-care is an important thing for you it's massive it's huge just for mental health physical health uh, especially as we get older and you start to see you start to see you're not invincible and things that should heal fast don't anymore and it's like if you don't take care of yourself like what have you got left and and same thing with the kids kids change the priority and for a long time with young kids you tend to neglect those things because it's 100% focused on the kids. And then it gets to a certain point, I think for a lot of people where you just suddenly go, well, yeah, but now I need to actually find a way to budget my time so I could focus on me. I got to do certain things for me. So get back into the things that I love to do, meditation, exercise, spending quality time in the shop. You know, that, that is still, even though it's a career path for me, it's still a place I love to be. I get a lot of gratification out of being there. Um, so yeah, for me, um, mental health <clears throat> and focusing on physical health it's all extremely important. It's how we get through life with a smile on our face. I think you neglect that stuff and then all the other things as you age catch up to you and then you're not prepared for it, right? So you don't have those other outlets to, um, you know, things aren't gonna be perfect forever. Things will happen to you and you'll need to have ways to cope with them. And that's a particularly difficult thing for me. So I, I do these things to build the dam, as, as it were, to make sure that I'm sort of in a better mental position to deal with all the craziness that comes from having a family and a crazy business that's real unconventional and, uh, you know, and, and family to take care of. Yeah. There's a, there's a concept called uh, psychological capacity, right? And that's, that's your, essentially your, your mental reservoir for being able to deal, deal with stress and stuff yeah. like that. And, and a lot of people don't realize that they, it doesn't reset at the end of the day, right? Like, Oh, my day's over. Now I'm going to go to bed and now I wake up. I mean, that does recharge it a little bit, but but if you're constantly if you're constantly running that well empty, eventually yeah. it's just going to burn out. Yeah. Uh, and so you have to be doing stuff like that, you know, self care, exercise, meditation, time in the shop if that's if that's what brings you fulfillment. Yep. But I've actually been curious about that for you because I, I know that you talk about on your social media stuff how you do enjoy your time in the shop, mm-hmm. but it is a business. And and myself, I I'm self employed. And I do actually also run a woodworking business as well on the side. So I know the times where I'm, I'm working on a project for somebody else, it's, it, it, it's less enjoyable. How how do you find that that works out for you? Because I mean, you're in a unique position because you're not building something for somebody else, but you still are at the same Mm -hmm. time. Yeah, it's something that I, um, you know, I mean, there are elements about the job that can be really stressful. There are things that I are, would definitely call my non-preferred tasks there are 
Things with dealing with advertisers and sponsors, I'm fortunate to have the option to deal with them. And when I choose to do a deal, it's usually because I want to do that deal. Um, but ultimately, you know, making content and things because there is a financial motivation to it, that does suck some of the fun out of it for me. Like when you're talking about doing the job, that's usually for a client. Well, my client is the advertiser. So doing that can sometimes, you know, sap the fun out of it. Um, you know, same thing with uh, just dealing with the online environments. That's very taxing. I'm pretty open about my frustrations, <clears throat> excuse me, in social media, uh, the way the algorithms change and all the things that make it difficult for people like me who just want to make good videos and want to teach people woodworking to jump through all these hoops so that I can continue to run this business successfully to do that thing that I want to do. Uh, and when everything tells you to, to do something different with your content than your heart wants you to do, you know, and you have to decide, Okay, like a great example is this whole crazy things with uh, thumbnails these days in videos. They're ridiculous anymore. Um, thumbnails and titles. And I know exactly what I could title my next video to get so many more views. But I purposely, and I, I kind of beat myself up over this, because I'm going to purposely give it a title and a thumbnail that's more honest and clear instead of more eye-catching and um, uh, emotional which is usually what gets the extra clicks. But I do that intentionally. It's not because I'm, I'm dumb and I don't know how this stuff works. It's because I don't, like, it, I'm not going to say in integrity necessarily. I don't mean that people who do that don't have integrity. My personal integrity level says I need to do a certain amount of honesty in, in what I advertise for our content. And it just drives me crazy, man, knowing that I could be doing better and my videos could do better if I would just let that go. And that's real hard for me. So that that's a huge uh, frustration point and a pinch point for me in, in the business. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I no matter what I do, I know what I was doing prior to woodworking. I don't want to do that. I know what other people do for a living and who aren't quite happy in their with their work. And I don't want to do that either. And I am super lucky to be able to do this. I'm, I'm very lucky to walk, well, for instance, uh, you know, this morning. The, it, the kids were supposed to go to camp. There was a rain thing. Um, they weren't able to go. Nicole stayed home with the kids, but then she wasn't feeling well. <clears throat> so I had to move my stuff around. I had the option to do that because I run my own business and I was able to make those choices. Not everybody can do that. So I'm super lucky. I got nothing to complain about. And that's, that's what I keep reminding myself anytime I want to think like, oh, my job sucks. I got to make something and, you know, got to make a video for this rust preventative company. Like, that's awesome. Like, that's a fun challenge. I, got, I, I can't get mired in that stuff. You know, Jim Carrey, right? The actor. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen the video. He did a commencement speech for somebody, and I don't remember what it's for. One, one no, of the I don't think I've seen it. Some university. But he talked about how his dad was an accountant. Okay? And his dad had always wanted to be a comedian, but he chose the safe path because <laughs> he wanted to provide a life for his kids. Mm -hmm. And then... Jim Carrey talked about when he was kind of in his mid-teens or something like that, his dad uh, got fired, lost his job, and they just about lost their home, and they ended up, you know, really poor and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But his the point of this commencement speech for him was uh, you, you can fail at doing something you don't love, so you might as well try and fail at something that you do love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it kind of sounds like, you and I are at the same point as far as the self-employment goes. You know, you want to, you want to, you know, put up with the crap because you want to do what you want to do and not be passed mm -hmm. around by somebody else. Yep. But you, uh, you pretty much nailed actually another question that I was going to ask you. Oh, okay. And let me let me bring it up here so I can. Um, so so what I wrote down here is it seems like you have deliberately chosen not to chase the OMG check out what I posted <laughs> type of content, and yeah. obviously that was a deliberate decision. Um, but. Uh, 
Well, I'm glad it, you see it because that's the other thing. You know, you can go by comments, but not everybody who has an opinion, especially, you know, if you're just like, oh, that, you draw this conclusion by seeing things, you don't necessarily write me and tell me. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's so I, I have to guess at what the lion's share of my target audience thinks. And the problem is the lion's share of my target audience a lot of times are just busy people living their lives who are not the type of people to go into a YouTube comment section and be like, I really enjoyed this video. Thanks so much. You know, like, or, or to go into a little bit more depth. I appreciate the fact that you don't do this with your thumbnails. Like people, you're busy. You're not doing that. The people I hear from are the ones who have much stronger opinions about the things that I do. And it really mixes the message. It mixes it up for me. And it's hard for me to know which audience am I trying to work with here and, and, and what people want and the audience I truly want to speak to is not the majority. And that's the problem with the way content goes these days. Everybody wants to keep chasing the numbers and having started this in 2006, knowing what kind of audience was available to me at the time, I'm lucky to have the numbers I have. Like it's ridiculous to think of some of the numbers that people who do what I do, who came along a little bit later, some of their numbers are just astronomical when you're able to produce content that appeals to a mass audience. Uh, but for me as just a, a fine woodworker who just tries to be a little bit of goof, you know, a little bit of a goofball and have fun building some really cool stuff, but purposeful furniture, not just necessarily gimmicky stuff. Um, I'm really lucky to have the audience that I have. I'm surprised there's that many people who want to watch, you know, and it's, it's, it's hard to resist the temptation to do the things, you know, that would raise your numbers and, and make it intentional. And I, I dip my toes into it once in a while there are times where I puke in my mouth a little bit and hit publish because I know I've made that title a little over the line for what I'm comfortable with. But I mean, it, it's tough because I now, it's not just me, I now have five employees and we have to make sure everybody is happy and fed and paid. <laughs> and that's a lot of responsibility and we have to make money to do that. Bit of a catch 22. Yeah, well that, that goes to the fact that you have a business built around the social media that's not dependent on the social media itself, even though it is mm -hmm. right. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're not dependent on ad revenue, ad revenue. I'm assuming is the icing on the cake, not necessarily mm -hmm. the cake itself. For sure. And, yeah. And well, so and the thing do... is we, our business is very multifaceted. We have a lot of different things that we have our hands in because you have to, like if something goes sour and goes south or Google changes some rules about how things get monetized and that money goes away, what are you going to do? Like, you've got to have multiple streams of revenue. So that's, that's always been a big part of our strategy. Yeah. If all, if all you're selling is double-sided sandpaper, then you're kind of screwed if the double-sided sandpaper goes away. Yeah, yeah. My livelihood is not hanging on that sandpaper, right? But it's that sandpaper that might allow me to go, you know, six months from now when I make a video to put the honest, simple title that just pleases my core audience. Doesn't grow anything, doesn't make my channel grow any faster, but it's just simple and honest and people respect it. And then I could feel good about myself and go to sleep that night. Cause I go, you know what? But we do have that sandpaper business, <laughs> you know? So if that, the, if the YouTube money dries up, at least I got something else. Well, I, for one, I, for one appreciate that because, because I, it comes across to me anyway, that you're, that you're not just out there, you know, my friends at Rayobi, they <laughs> look at this wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I know you're getting paid for doing this. So when, when, when somebody like you comes out and says, this is what I use because mm -hmm. it gives you a lot more confidence in what is said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's your fault that, that I buy my walkie tools instead of <laughs> right. Other and they brands, won't sponsor. But... I don't think they sponsor anybody. I think they may give some people swag and some people do get tools, but there was a time where I, I contacted them and I'm like, look, I'm, you know, we, we have an opening for, small portable power tool sponsorship. Um, I use your tools because I like your tools. 
Um, if there's anything or any openings or anything that we could talk about, let me know. And they said, we don't actually do paid sponsorships. We love that you love our tools. Thank you. But we don't do that. And it's not like I went home and just spray painted all my tools yellow. Like I still like those tools. Milwaukee makes great tools. They're, they've just been good to me and have been good performers and I keep buying it. And it doesn't, you know, it's not because they're paying me. It's a damn good tool. <laughs> well, and that, that speaks more to, to that than anything else. I another question I've been curious about mm-hmm. a, a lot of makers in general woodworkers we get caught into like the imposter syndrome type mm-hmm. of thing right so for you you're obviously an accomplished woodworker but you also interact with some phenomenally talented woodworkers mm-hmm. do you ever get that imposter syndrome feeling like oh maybe I'm not worthy of doing this or have you managed to kind of like quell that in yourself um, I've controlled that to an extent. I mean, I am very pragmatic with this stuff. I know my place in the hierarchy. <clears throat> I don't go and stand next to a Philip Morley and say, I'm just as good as Philip. I could build anything Philip builds after I watch him build it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I need to see what he's doing and then I could do, I could replicate it. I don't have the imagination of a Philip Morley, a David Marks. These guys are what I consider to be creative powerhouses and they have a, a taste and a style that I think's fantastic. And I, I have said repeatedly to people that my legacy will not be my furniture. I love building furniture, but that's not gonna be my legacy. My legacy is education. It's the times I've made people laugh, the things I've been able to do with the community, the books I've written, you know, focusing on the educational side, that's the thing that I'm able to give to people and I'll probably be remembered for. So I'm over it. Like I don't, I, there are things that I do wish I had more time to focus on so I could become a better woodworker, but my woodworking, personal woodworking education took a back seat to everything else once I started to make content. It wasn't about me anymore. In a lot of cases, it's about staying in the safe zone so I don't look like a fool. You know, and that, that is very limiting. It's really hard to grow like that, but it does allow me to present good content to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm honest with my knowledge base about this stuff. And anything that I don't know, especially in something like our, our paid online course environment, the, the Wood Whisperer Guild, I bring in people who are fantastic woodworkers to do the things I can't do. I can't show you how to weave a chair, you know, but uh, um, Caleb can. You know, I can't necessarily design like Philip does, so I hire Philip to come in and make a great project that people can learn from. So it's organizing all these people and bringing them together and making those people accessible to anybody who is able to get the course, you know. So for me, I don't really feel much in an imposter syndrome in that way, but I've always been a self-doubter for the most part. Um, I'm, I wouldn't call it imposter syndrome. I just, because I think over the years it's been beat into me that we've done okay. You know, like my family is safe, um, but every, every the, the, way I, the way I would like to describe this to people is every year we would get like a check from Powermatic. This is like back in the early days. And as soon as it would come in, I'm like, okay, we got to invest most of this. There's, I guarantee you this isn't gonna happen again. This was the last time. We're not gonna be able to get any more money out of this company. But then the next year, they would send a check and, and we'd be able to continue to grow the business. It probably took, I don't know, maybe six or seven years of doing that before I was confident enough to say, I think this thing is working, <laughs> you know? And everybody that watched us had a whole different opinion. They thought, you know, they're thinking, oh, they must be super successful. I was just doubtful. It just didn't seem like a way anybody could make a, a long-term career, you know, out of that. Um, so I, I, like I said, it's weird. I, I can't say I'm like the most confident person about it, but I think I've gotten comfortable with my position, but I'm also, like I said, I'm not trying to be something I'm not. So when you're not trying to be something you're not, it's actually pretty easy to be comfortable with who you are. 
because you're not pretending, right? There's no imposter syndrome unless I'm pretending to be something I'm not. Yeah, it's, I'm curious about the whole social media and the imposter syndrome type of thing is, mm-hmm. are the people who are, you always show your best side, obviously, in, on social media, but is there that, that background? Well, actually, I'm a fraud because I did make a mistake here. I just didn't show it. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that the is that where that comes from? Or? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I know lots of different personalities in this business. I know people who come across as some of the happiest people you'll ever meet. And I know that they suffer from depression. Um, sometimes maybe the persona is part of their therapy um, to, you know, for instance, the, the fit woodworkers thing, right? I'm not doing that because... I'm some kind of fitness guru. I have no business giving anybody fitness advice. I do enjoy exercising, but I wanted to lead this this like effort to get people because I've met a lot of woodworkers and I see the condition a lot of woodworkers end up in and I think we could all do a little bit better, me included. So that was kind of a thing of personal accountability as I'm getting, you know, now that we're finally kind of like fully settled here, getting back into my core exercise routines and I felt like I kind of just needed a little bit of an extra jolt, right? So a friend of mine invited me to do one of these little month-long competition things not really a competition but a challenge and i didn't really know the the website he was referencing that started it so i was like you know what man i would love to do one of these in the woodworking world like why not so the next day i just went in there i'm like who would be interested and turns out a lot of people were interested in this thing so that's really what it's all about is just you know personal accountability and just making sure other people are encouraging you to keep going to come you know kind of help me get to where i want to be with my my fitness goals and it totally went off on a tangent on that but i think you may you might have gotten my point <laughs> yeah well that's a that's the thing about social media though right is it is that two-edged sword it's very mm-hmm. it's very good for that motivation like you, like you said you go into the i i need to do this for myself like the exercising or, or whatever it is and social media is a tremendous boost for that because you have that accountability, other people watching you doing it. But then the flip side, though, is is going back to the the imposter syndrome. You get that, well, all I see is everybody else's, you know, Mark's mm-hmm. on Peloton and he can he can do 400,000 miles of biking to my two. Yeah. Right? Uh, I think it's definitely, it's, a, it's very personal in how people internalize that. Because I can tell you right off the bat, I'm not a fan of leaderboards. The concept of taking everybody and seeing who's doing the most. There are just people who will run absolute circles around me. So it was actually really funny because we started the Strava group. I didn't, it's first time doing it. I've been on Strava, but I have never done a group or anything. And as soon as I did it, it created the group. People started to join. There's 10 people in there, right? So I was in the top three. They put a leaderboard, whether you want it there or not. Uh, I was in the top three. And then within a few minutes after announcing the Strava group, it was just, we were hammered. So my real intention with this was not just to find the fittest woodworkers, but to encourage woodworkers to be fit. And as soon as the people found this like fitness thing, I found some of these guys, they don't need my help. They do not need anybody's help. They are monsters on a, on a bike or whatever their exercise of choice is. And then immediately the leaderboard now beca- went from encouraging to potentially encouraging for a lot of people. And me be, me being in the top three is a fairly attainable goal for a lot of people. It's not like I'm breaking any records. But these other guys came in and just kind of swapped that, you know, swamped the top 10. And I and that's where it shifted for me personally, psychologically. I, w- I then looked at it and I was like, well, now it's just another shitty leaderboard that I don't want to really look at. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not to be negative about it, but when you see numbers that you consider unobtainable, it can be a little bit disappointing to see that. So I'm trying not to focus. It's this, this thing is not about that leaderboard. Those guys are awesome. The people who are doing that are 
good for them. That's fantastic. Where I want to be is hanging out with the people all the way at the bottom who maybe they're starting at zero and any positive stuff that they're doing is pushing them in the right direction. Those are the people I'm aiming at with this, but everybody's welcome. So, Yeah, I was thinking about, speaking of leaderboards, I was thinking of a, a book I recently read called Punished by Rewards uh, mm. by a, man, uh, a doctor called Alfie Cohn. And he talks about the the demotivation effects of reward and and leaderboards, things like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you want to be in the top one percent, or whatever. That's actually ultimately very de- demotivating at the end of the day because it it removes your intrinsic motivation to do something and puts yeah. your motivation into the extrinsic or externally motivated. So if there is no reward, if you if you can't get to the number one position because the guy at number one is an absolute monster, it demotivates you for the rest of your the rest yeah. of your enjoyment so you lose that lose that self drive to do things oh totally and i don't know if it's a uh, a personal flaw or like the technique that i use is avoidance in these cases so like the peloton is a good example um when i ride a peloton i used to look at the leaderboard and i'd be like yeah i'm a fairly fit individual i i follow the uh instructions of the instructor they tell you what cadence and what resistance to be at and i follow it in some cases i exceed it and then I look at the leaderboard and this is a ride that's been around for a few days and I'm like, number 10,000, you know? And it's like, you look at that and you go, what the hell is going on here? Like, can they, can I really be that bad? But it's like, it doesn't matter. And so I learned to just go boop and swipe that thing out. I do not care about the leaderboard. All I care is about what I did last time and how I'm doing this time. <laughs> you know, like that, if you can get yourself to focus on that, I mean, maybe, so I'm saying maybe there's a better way to work through it and internalize it in a different way. But for me, I just don't want to look at it. I don't need to. It, it's I find the negative reward there, exactly what you're talking about, to be a very strong motivator to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. So another thing that I've noticed that you do, seems like every year, around this time of the year, you take a social media break, right? Is that, uh, a, is that a conscious summer, thing? Um, but almost always around the holidays. That's a big time where I want to be focused on family. I want to be watching Christmas cartoons, playing video games, like all that fun stuff. That's when I usually unplug. Um, but occasionally I will do something for a summer vacation. Typically it's around family time. So if I can do that during a scheduled family time, that just means that I'm much more focused on family and, and less focused on views and, and posting stuff. Um, that is a very intentional thing. It was something that started, I'd say after we, we had kids, when our amount of screen time and social time suddenly became under examination by everybody. <laughs> um, excuse me. So we would get to a point where Work would dominate everything. And when you have a business like this, it's very dangerous to to be able to come home and still run the business. Like what we're doing right now, I've got windows open right behind this window where I know there's a thing I need to do for work. And I might just blip, 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 go in there and do it. Um, so if I really truly want to enjoy my vacation, I have to unplug. And it's, it's, a, it's a very um, conscious effort to not fall into the trap that I see so many people fall into. And that's this becoming sort of a slave to the platform, the feeling like I've seen people who go away on vacation and they've, you know, and good for them. This is probably a smart business practice. I don't think it's a smart personal practice is to like preload a whole bunch of posts that make it look like you're still in your shop because God forbid you took time off, right? So we're, we're all doing these you know, sort of like, they're almost like TV shows, right? They're not TV shows, kind of a reality, quasi reality show, but it's a show that is just on all the time. Even TV gets seasons and there are breaks between them, but we don't allow ourselves that in social media. And it's, you know, social media suicide to stop posting 
And I kind of wanted to be, you know, the voice of reason with that. And maybe some other content creator will see me do it and go, hey, you know what? The reality is life will go on. I'm not going to lose my business if I unplug for a week. See you guys in a week. And then for me, again, this is the avoidance thing. I have to completely remove the apps from my phone every time I do it. Apps get deleted and then they go back on when I come home because I, I, I can't trust myself with it. I get drawn in. Yeah. Yeah. So what type of self-care regime do you have? You obviously exercise every day. You mentioned meditation. Do you do, you do like a, a daily sit down for 20 minutes and meditate or? Um, I love meditation, but meditation is one of the hardest things to develop for me personally to, to develop a routine practice. Um, so I dip in and out. I've got a couple of apps. Sometimes I do completely silent meditation. Other times I do a, you know, voice led meditation that I just kind of find it. When I meditate, the whole point is like to drop focus on these other things and kind of just like, just kind of focus on the breath, you know, focus on the now. And sometimes a person's voice, especially if it's just a pleasant, calm voice, is something I could focus on that's not all this other crap. And and honing in on that is, is helpful for me. So I do try to do that. I've got a, a couple of good apps for that. Um, a lot of, I mean, I'm in a really good place mentally right now, I would say. And a lot of times I, like I said, I can't get a steady practice, but I will go to meditation almost as medicine. If I'm having a tough day or something is particularly stressful or the kids have just like, taking everything to level 11 and I need a break, that's when I'll just go like, oh, let me put in the app and do a 10 minute meditation and try to recenter myself. So yeah, meditation is definitely part of it. I just got to get better at being consistent. Um, you know, for me with my personal anxieties, I find exercise to be one of the most effective things. It's a good opportunity where if I'm doing it right, I really can't focus on anything else. Like I've got to focus on this task that I'm doing. So there's at least a half an hour or 45 minute break from intrusive thoughts. It's just me and that activity. Uh, and then when I'm done, hopefully I'm sore. And muscle soreness is something that I guess, I don't know whether it's a biological thing or just the, the, when my body has to heal my muscles and we're thinking about you know healing muscle tissue, I focus on that instead of focusing on the intrusive thoughts. It's, it's a weird thing that happens. So um, meditation, exercise, other hobbies, you know, I have other hobbies outside of woodworking that I enjoy doing, um, researching things for those hobbies and learning new things about those hobbies. Um, these are all things that I do just to kind of help my mental state and to keep me on track. You have a bit of that uh, creator's ADD going on, eh? You got all the different little hobbies that you like to do. Serial hobbyist and proud of it. <laughs> I did. The good thing is a lot of people who are like true serial hobbyists will they'll get into it, right? They get into it hardcore, you learn everything about it, but then you get to a certain point and then you just drop off. Um, what I tend to do, and I have had that happen, I'm not perfect with it, but I do tend to sink my teeth into something and I may drop off a little bit, but it then just becomes a permanent part of my life. Like I had a, um, I had a cast iron kick for a while, really got into cast iron cooking, but that goes hand in hand with barbecue, right? So even though I previously didn't really know much or have much cast iron, I wound up getting a couple of really good cast iron pans. Now I'm not looking at YouTube videos about cast iron anymore, <clears throat> but I do have cast iron as part of my cooking set of things and they work great on a campfire and they work great on a grill. So it's now a permanent part of what I've done, but it was because of that like serial hobbyist nature that I got into it so hardcore, but then it just kind of tapered off and now it's part of my life. So you mentioned anxiety a little bit ago, your personal mm -hmm. anxieties. I remember watching your social media kind of during COVID and post-COVID, you seemed like you were pretty pretty anxious at that point. 
and mm-hmm. and not want to be out around people or anything like that but now you have this new shop where you actively have people come to occasionally mm-hmm. what what made the switch for you like are you still like have to psych yourself up before anybody shows up or is it have you done something yeah. to help with that <laughs> This is the thing, like we, we got this space. Nicole's more of a people person than I am. She loves the idea of people coming to visit. And I love the idea of working in my shop. Just me, working in my shop, building furniture, right? Um, well, now I've got my brother-in-law working with me. He's like my best friend. So we're totally cool working with each other. I've kind of brought him into my personal circle. So I don't feel like, there are times I still do enjoy, like if he's out sick or something, I'm like, oh, this would be a nice day. I'm all by myself. But it's not like I dread someone else being in the shop. He's kind of now in that inner circle. Um, but we still get to the point where, like, if somebody stops by unannounced, I I have trouble with it. And I don't want to be mean. And I'm, and, I, and I'm not. I'm not mean. If somebody stops by, I'm not going to be mean to them. We're going to talk. But it is a personal anxiety to not be prepared for that interaction when it happens. And having a pub, it's not a public, it's you know a private building, but having a space that's accessible, that is not my home, is really that open invitation to, to let people stop by. And I do have a constant sort of conflict with that because I want to be that guy. I wanna be, like, I look at stuff that like, I don't know, Jimmy Duresta is a good example, right? Like he, he opens with open arms, like brings people into his shop space. He's out there doing all kinds of events and stuff like that. I admire the hell out of stuff, like people who can do that. Um, but it's really hard for me to do it and I try to avoid it. So yeah, I mean, that's something that we are coping with, but the decision to do that, I agree, I, I, Nicole's right. It's a good choice. It's a good thing for us to do. And slowly but surely, I, I know all the benefits of doing it. I want someone to come into my shop and feel like they had a special experience. But if I'm just kind of in a mood and I don't want to be around people, that's no way to treat people. So I have to like I have to turn it on and I have to bury whatever anxiety or frustration I have with the experience because it's not about me at that moment. If someone's actually likes me enough to want to drive over and stop by, the least I could do is show them a good time while they're there. So it's my obligation to you know, just to be a reasonable person and be treated the way I would like to be treated. Um, that, that gets me over it. I have that obligation that's more important than my personal anxieties and hangups. Yeah, I, th- I think you and I have the, the shop alone time thing in common. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably grew up a little bit different than you did. I, I grew up on a ranch in, oh. in northern, northern Canada, northern Saskatchewan. Okay. Our driveway was six miles long. Oh, and then, the, yeah, the closest town wow. to us was, was uh, about 45 minutes. Yeah, that's and, very and it, different. And it was a, it was a, uh, the grad class of the school was two people. So wow. it, you, you grew up in Jersey, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we grew up completely differently, but that's the, uh, my formative years I spent being able to not see or hear anybody or any traffic for <laughs> days on end. Oh, that is wild. <laughs> and so the shop... The shop for me is like my my sacred. This is nobody talks to me in this space. Mm-hmm. Yep. I am here. I am alone. This is the only place that I am alone. Yeah, but that, uh, um, it's funny that we arrived at that same place having started so differently. My inspiration for that, I grew up with a very East Coast mom. She was a single mom, um, aggressive, like Spitfire kind of woman. Still is to this day. Um, and growing up around a woman like that who just took control of situations, I became a very passive child. Um, so I would, you know, to probably a ridiculous age would hide behind my mom 
or couldn't order my own food at a restaurant if we'd go out to eat um i would whisper to her and then she would tell the waitress what i want and she would indulge that too which probably wasn't great but she did um so being around these loud boisterous personalities that you often find in east coast italian uh families it actually drove me the other way and i was very shy all the way through college doing any kind of a presentation, any kind of paper I had to do, or speaking, public speaking, Ugh, no thank you, like not my thing. Um, it wasn't until much later when I was down a career path that I, I broke out of that shell and learned how to harness a certain energy to be able to speak in front of people. Um, but for me, the workshop became that solace and the peace and the quiet that I can't get anywhere else, right? So I went, I saw it not because it was familiar, but I saw it because it was the exact opposite of what I had outside of that. So that's super interesting to hear. Well, I think I've probably taken up a fair amount of your time. And if your wife's not feeling good and your kids aren't quite running rampant yet, they probably it's will be quiet. soon. Yeah, I've got I've got a few more minutes. So I don't, I don't as, as a parent, though, as a parent, though, you're like, uh, is it quiet or is it too quiet? You know what I hear? I hear Netflix. So I know oh. some, I know I left them on the couch watching a cartoon and it was a movie and I think they're still there. And they also got a very stern warning <laughs> because I, this uh, earlier, again, Nicole's not feeling well. I was lucky to get on the bike. Uh, so I was on the Peloton. I get, I won't say unreasonably. I think kids should be able to respect requests like this, but I do get very upset when I have to get off the bike because I'm clipped in. The Peloton has like, um, you know, clipless uh, uh, pedals on it. So you actually have to clip out and I take the shoes off because I don't want to tic-tac all the way across the hardwood floor. So I take the shoes off in the middle of the ride and I have to go deal with a kid situation. So they already had me on edge. So when I went, I'm like, guys, I'm doing an interview. You need to be quiet. If you're not quiet, you're going to find out a certain level of punishment that you haven't seen before. I'll see you in about an hour. <laughs> so, so I think I scared them straight and I think they're doing all right out there. <laughs> well, well, that's good. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. It's uh, It's been a, a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, thank you and for having me. And it's, it's been a pleasure to talk about something a little off the path a little bit. I really appreciate that. Well, I need to get through the last few questions here. Um, okay. What are your favorite woods? What are, oh, yeah, what's yeah. your favorite tools? <laughs> Babinga, <laughs> the domino. Who do I watch on YouTube? Anybody yeah. but Matt Cremona. You know, the usual. <laughs> yeah. When are you quitting your podcast next? <laughs> right hey, we're due i think we're due for that soon yeah. uh, actually i do have one more legit question though um yeah sure you do you do you, you do the stall um and i meant to listen to a couple episodes of it but i didn't because i'm not much of a the extent of my barbecuing is is usually slightly blackened <laughs> okay and and half the time kind of raw in the middle <laughs> yeah okay. but you know, you know, california blue Okay, yeah, there you no. go. Yeah, hey, isn't, some that, isn't love that, that what that is? Um, anyway, anyways, but I didn't get the chance to listen to the stall. Oh sure. Uh, I do watch your your YouTube Wood Whisperer Barbecue channel though. Okay. Cool. And I have a question about monetizing your hobbies because yeah. because that is a hobby for you, right? Like it's not mm -hmm. a. But you're you've you've monetized it. You've made it into a YouTube channel. Does that does that affect it for you? Does that make it more enjoyable, less enjoyable? It could. Or you... um, it can make it more fun in some ways because then you go, uh, this is now a business expense. So, um, Nicole, when I want to buy my next grill, sorry, like I have to and it's for the business. Um, it, so, I mean, it can make elements of it more fun. The reality, though, is I don't monetize it. I mean, technically it is monetized in the sense that the, vi the few videos I've made do have ads. I actually, early on, 
just because of my Wood Whisperer notoriety, I was able to get a couple of sponsors like out of nowhere just for a single video. It wasn't like a long-term thing. Um, and I can, like, we get free rub and stuff like that all the time. Um, so I got a few of those things, but absolutely, yes, if I had pushed it to really truly make it like a viable thing, I haven't made a video in a long time. Um, it would actually turn me off a little bit to it. So that's why I haven't done a video. Like my last video was months ago and it's just because I, I, outside of people requesting that I make more of the videos, I have this much pressure to make more. I don't have to. There, it's not something I depend on. I will make one when I feel like making one and I hope people are there to watch it. So I still, even though I'm making videos about it, I still fully put it in the hobby side of things. I'm just letting people in on this hobby that I'm doing. I mean, the same thing could, could even happen with um, other things I enjoy doing, fitness or video games. People have asked me, how come you don't start a Twitch channel? You're an avid gamer. You spend a lot of time playing games. I'm like, because that's for me. Like, if I had to sit here and entertain people while I'm doing the thing I'm doing to disconnect and relax, that is no longer relaxing and disconnecting anymore. Now I'm trying to figure out why I don't have more people watching me on Twitch. And, you know, so there are just certain lines you have to draw. But... I do enjoy documenting and I enjoy teaching. So when I talk about barbecue, if I could teach people and, and also learn as I'm doing it, it's it's absolutely beneficial to me. But there will be a change if I decide to truly go whole hog, pun intended, uh, and actually you know really try to make it a viable leg of the Wood Whisperer business is the side thing. It would change it and I don't think I would enjoy it as much. So, so what you're saying is there's a chance that at some point we might see the Wood Whisperer fitness channel where you're uh, strutting in front of the, the TikTok camera in your bikini to, to get the views, but you gotta maybe not. You got to do what you got to do, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I just bought a really expensive bike. Nicole wasn't super happy about it, and it would have been easier if it was a business expense, <laughs> but it's not. So, yeah, yeah, I think you, you got to be careful with that stuff. I, this is one of the traps, I think. You always hear it like with millennials in particular, um, that every hobby kind of becomes a career path or has to be monetized in some way or it's not worth doing. And it's like, man, that's a shame. I hope that's not true for most people, but I can see how that happens with myself. Anything I really get into, I am super tempted to use all the tools and knowledge I've amassed with the Wood Whisperer to see what I can do with something else. But I, it's, I don't think it's good. I mean, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. I think for me, I don't think it's good. So I gotta be careful with it. Well, that's, uh, that's honestly why I have a woodworking business is because of that I have these tools. I need to make them pay for themselves. Yeah, but right? yeah, you're you're right. It does. the The times that I'm I'm actively doing it just for myself are definitely much more enjoyable than when I'm doing it for somebody else. Mm -hmm. But oh, and I'll tell you, my my favorite times to be in the shop are when it's actually not a video. Something something for whatever reason I can't justify it or I don't think it'll be interesting, but I have a task to do. I, just music playing. I am in my glory in those moments. I still love the shop for everything it represents. And there is a bit of a ball and chain mentality with everything else that I have to do to keep my business running. So, but again, I, I think woodworking is so much of my core that I will never lose interest in it. I will always do it, but I might shut the camera off in the future. That's probably what retirement will look like for me is just woodworking only. Eh, maybe I won't record this project because I don't have to, I'm retired, you know? You'll have, uh, have a video crew out there uh, going around to all whoever's hot at the time, getting them to do their projects yeah, that you can... Film those other guys. Have, I'll, I'll just I'll write the check, go film it, and publish the video. Have a, have a manager run the, the Wood Whisperer Guild for you. But Yeah, there you go. 
Well, once again, thank you for coming on. I appreciate mm-hmm. your time and the, the time that you've taken. And thank you for everything you do for the woodworking community, especially because I know you are, you, you do take time to do stuff like this and you do encourage people to be fit and to, mm-hmm. despite the fact that your business is reliant on social media, you do, I know that you've several times encouraged people, turn off your phones, go do something else. You lead yeah. that by example. And I, I appreciate that in you. And, and yeah, so thank you. I probably well, you. don't need to ask uh, ask you to to tell people where they can find you, but I'm <laughs> assuming whatever. most I'm assuming most people know who the Wood Whisperer is, or at least most people who are listening to this podcast. Um, if not, it's the Wood Whisperer on Instagram and all the internets. Mm-hmm. And uh, if often you, uh, it, we often go with just Wood Whisperer if we can get it. Sometimes if we're not there first, we don't. But if it's not the Wood Whisperer, it'll be Wood Whisperer. Well, there we go. And and if you really uh, want some top-notch instructional stuff, like I'm a, I'm a guild member and I have several mm-hmm. a few of the projects and they're all they're all excellent. So, awesome. thank you for coming on and uh, we'll say goodbye. All right. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I just want to say thank you to the founding members of the Workshop Therapy Patreon family. Eric of Overall Makerworks. Keith Drennan of Blackthorn Concepts, Brad of Brad's Customs, Matthew Serio from Arciano Serio, and The Grant Alexander. If you want to join on Patreon to support the show or just say thank you, I'd appreciate it.